You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, here we are again. Welcome to the podcast. We got a... uh a guy that's never done a podcast before, which I love. Yes. <laughs> love being the first podcast that someone's on. That is University of Kentucky Hall of Famer, Colin Cowgill. Currently Red's first base coach in charge of the running game, which you've seen. Oh, boy, have you seen it. <laughs> Outfield, all-around motivator, and a good dude. Welcome to the podcast. How you doing? Thanks, Jim. Good, man. Really good. <laughs> I love that you've never been not not that you've never been on a podcast, but that uh, this is the first. This is the first. It's been like that a few times. How's it going, man? You have made a massive difference uh, this year. We have sung your praises so many times on TV. People are probably getting sick of us talking about you at this point. But you have made a, a difference. Have you felt the difference you've made? I mean, I know that it's all the players. I know the players play the game, and you were a former big league player, so. Um, it's it's a player's game, but the direction you've given, do you feel the difference you've made? Uh, I'd be lying if I said no. Yeah. Um, and and obviously I appreciate uh, all the nice things everyone's been saying and has said, and even the stuff that isn't so good. You know, I deserve <laughs> that too. But uh, I, I in in a way, yeah. Um, you know, I feel like it is my job uh, to show up and be a positive influence, uh, some sort of motivational voice. Uh, you know, especially because my job entails you know a significant amount of energy that the players need to have if that makes sense right like they need to yeah. be energetic when they get to first base they want to be looking to run whether it's steal a base or go first to third or dirt ball or whatever it is you know i think if i don't provide that energy uh when they get to me or before they get to me uh you know i'm i'm just not 100 percent sure they're going to be as as uh as fired up to go yeah. and then be a base runner well I'm trying to remember which player said it, but I believe it was Luke Manley. If it's not, I apologize. It really doesn't matter which player said it, but they said from day one of spring training, had a meeting, and then you had a, ba- a base running meeting. And at that instantly, they knew, all right, this is going to be different. We're going to be a running team. We're going to be an aggressive. Now, you got to have the athletes to do that, um, but knew instantly. Do you remember the first meeting at all? Does this? So, so yes, yeah. So <laughs> if this is the one I'm thinking of in particular, so there was, um, you know, at, at the, it was kind of like middle of the road. Um, DB wanted us to have like some positional meetings and kind of go over what our identity should be and, and kind of how we're going to shape our culture. And this is after a few roster cuts when we kind of yeah. knew what our, our group was going to look like. And uh, so I put together, you know, I went through all, I spent all night working on a PowerPoint, right, with like, uh, data and these tidbits and then I woke up at like 4 a.m. in Phoenix and I'm like I'm not doing that you know they don't want to they don't want to hear this and um, so I ended up redoing it with some videos and I think the one of the last videos I put on the base running one was me uh, I was scored from second on a uh, pass ball when I was with Oakland and I was playing the Giants and uh, I I bulldozed Tim Lincecum at the plate to score a run, and uh, so I knocked <laughs> the ball. I actually remember that now that you bring so that. So I up. knocked the ball out of his hand. Da da da. So like, I think like in back that, when you could do those such things. Exactly. <laughs> so I think in that moment, I think the the player was like, "Oh, 
this is how you played, you know, and you've been talking about base running and you've provided all this stuff. And now I think like it was good for them to see, like, this is actually how I did play. You know, I'm not just blowing smoke. Like, yeah, I think there's a, you know, being an aggressive base runner is a weapon and it sends messages and people have to defend against that, prepare for that. So I think like once they might've seen like, Hey, I'm not just, you know, BS in here. I'm actually like, yeah, this is who I was as a player and who I think we can be. So I think that was important. Have you always been a guy, whether it be at the University of Kentucky where you were an All-American or minor leagues or major leagues, that you seem to be infectious energy, that guys just respond to you? Has it always been that way? Have you sensed that? I, ha I have sensed that, and in college for sure. Uh, and that was just kind of like how it – I think that's kind of how it came to fruition, I guess. It was just I, I always played the game hard. Um I always there was no one that could ever look at me when I played and they wouldn't think I was trying to win the game. Yeah. Uh, so I think it, that alone, you know, kind of does uh, create that infectious uh, impact, right? Like if yeah. and I was pretty good in college, too. So you, you combine some skills with some work ethic and that style of play. I think it's a nice recipe uh, if you got the right group of people to kind of, yeah, you know, draw those people in. So I think at an early age, sure. But it wasn't by design, just kind of how I was. You've got to have the right group of people. In fact, I've talked about this before, that if you go back to the Reds teams a few years ago and tried this base running style, they'd be like, what a stupid <laughs> team. They keep running into outs. They just can't run. What are they doing? Just stop. But so you've got to have the right guy. So it's kind of like a perfect storm where they brought you in your aggressive base running style, but you got the athletes to do it. Do you not? No doubt. And I don't know if any first base coach that on their first year has ever had this kind of opportunity yeah. with this caliber of athlete. I mean, you take Ellie out of it and look at the rest of the roster. You still got six or seven guys that can steal a base, go first to third. And what's incredible about all those guys is they're all looking to do it. You know, it's yeah. not like I don't have to push anyone to run. Uh, I really, in all honesty, have to pull the reins back a little bit, you know, tell them, hey, this isn't a great time or I don't think we can make it, you right. know, and, and sometimes that's a little like a slight conversation at first base in the moment and then we <laughs> yeah. move on. But, right. uh, I mean, we, we do, we have the fastest team in baseball. Um, and for a first year, first base coach is in charge of base running. Like what an, an incredible opportunity that I had yeah. in front of me, uh, to, to go out and work with these guys every day. So it's, it's the players. It's the reason why we're good base runners is because our players are really good base runners. You know, we just, JR and I just trying to keep them in our parameters. Well, I love it because I think also along the way, not only the Reds, but other teams that now run with uh, new roles, et cetera, it, the defense or lack thereof is being exposed. The fundamentals defensively have been lacking in the game. In my estimation, I watch a lot of baseball, obviously, um, and it's being exposed, whether it's hurrying up just an instant, it's just getting them out of their rhythm, their game, uh, which I love. And then another thing, and I've talked about this before, secondary leads are like a major pet peeve of mine. If you're not getting the biggest lead you can in their bang-bang plays, what are you doing? So the fact that you have done that as well, thank you. I want to thank you. as a Reds, I'm a Reds fan first before Brock, so thank you. <laughs> no doubt. And I can't take much credit for that. You know, uh, I was with Christopher Negron, uh, who's the first base coach in former Seattle. Former Red. Former Red. Uh, Great dude. 
incredible dude yeah. and an incredible base running coach in his own right. Just, yeah, well, he had coach written all over him, you could tell. No, and people actually call him Coach Negron, so that was his nickname. So, <laughs> yeah. And he's kind of a Dave McKay disciple who's, yeah. you know, one of the godfathers of being a good base runner, right. anyone who's ever come across him. So a lot of the, the ins and outs that I learned and some of the things that I was teaching or coaching or preaching in, in spring training came right from them, right from Chris, who it came from Dave, and I met right. Dave in, in Arizona, so... All those things you talk about lead sizes that was a you know uh, a point of emphasis we wanted to make in spring training because you know, i'm watching some of our video and we got some guys like the frailies and the Sinzels are getting thrown out bang bang plays i'm like well, maybe we just got an extra foot or two One on foot? our you're right One like we're, foot, gonna, we're gonna be safe, safe you know so and it's really easy to go and show them hey like yeah. we're kind of bottom of the barrel and lead sizes you know if all we have to do is take another step you know yeah. with the pickoff rules like they just don't pick as much and right you know, we've been picked off a few times, and but it's because of our aggressive style, not so much because... Yeah, you got to put up with that along the way. For sure, yeah. for sure, and we're okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, these meetings, and I've been privy to a few of these base running meetings. Thank you for that, of by course. the way. It's very, it's very educational for me. One, I'm not sure they had they had base running meetings, but not every day, or not all the time. And you, the way you break it down per pitcher... And it is very detailed. You've got video ready for the guys. Okay, this is his move. With this is when his guys on first base. This is when this count. This is this. This is that. If he takes two breaths on the second <laughs> breath going down, you've got him. He's going to look back once, and once he looks back over, go. He'll look over at third. You know, whatever. It's different for each pitcher. It's crazy. I love that. It's so beneficial. And the guys have receptive to it, right? Because it's working. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I and I <clears throat> I think it's it is my job to prepare them for everything, right? And I, I told you these guys, they want to steal bases, right? They're hungry for it. Yeah. So if I don't prepare them for something to look for or uh, to make them have a better chance of being safe and have more chances of success, then I just don't think I'm doing a very good job. So these guys, you know, they want to run. If I don't have anything for them, then what am I doing? So um, I, I think it's it's uh, it makes my job easier, too, because I'm going to prepare them one way or the another or another. But, you know, get them together for five minutes, showing them what I've been looking at, you know, so they know what I see. It's not just me watching video and trying to tell them they've seen it. They know what to look for. So when they get out there, it's, hey, this is a good count. This is what his time is. This is a good situation. And when all that kind of matches up, they're kind of going on their own. So they get to be confident in their decision, knowing that we've prepared them for it. I love it. And this uh, recently, this came to fruition where I'm like, you know what? This is this is straight from the Reds' base running work. Noavi Marte makes his major league debut as a pinch runner. <laughs> He's on second base. He steals third. <laughs> were, were there two outs? I think there, there was one out. One, one out. out. But still, if you're stealing third in a tight game as a, a major league debut and you don't make it. Oh my God. Devastating. It's either like, what a play or that's stupid. <laughs> it's, you know, that's how baseball is. Uh, but it goes back to that pitcher. You guys had a read on that pitcher. Did you remind, I know before the game, you said this guy doesn't care about base runners. We're running on this guy. Did you have to remind him in that moment or did he retain it from the game? Before the game. Yeah, so yes and no. Uh, and so Freddie and Pick do an incredible job, you know, because when I'm out. Freddie you know, Benavidez, Jeff Pickler. And Jeff Pickler, yeah. yeah. So w when I'm out coaching first, you know, they're deciding who's pinch running and where they're going to play defense, right? Because I, I, I'm not in that conversation. I'm right. already out on the field. So, 
but they do an incredible job of communicating with me like, hey, we're going to pinch run for Steve-O in the ninth with Stu, or in this case, it was Marte. Yeah. So it gave me an entire inning. You know, this was in the eighth inning when they told me he's going out in the ninth. So I have an entire inning to sit down with Noel V, show him the video of Romano on second base, exactly what to look this for. This never used to happen, by the way. I'm just telling you. <laughs> go, go ahead. I'm sorry. But to, to <laughs> yeah. that point, it's it's you know it's Freddie and Pick really helping that right. situation, oh, giving yeah. me the time to prepare him because. Yeah. You know Edgar, our video guy, and Bo and Sam Nally and all those guys, and they're putting all these, all the info I need on this iPad, right? So I can sit with Noelby for five minutes. Total while, team effort. Total team effort. Yeah. And I can just show him, hey, because we were mm-hmm. talking about him stealing uh, second, and then sure enough, it was a double. Right. So hey, you're going in. This is how he looks at third bear when he's got a runner on second base, how to steal third. And sure so again, enough, you're calling up the video of that pitcher in that situation when he's got a runner on second base. This is his move. This is what he does. Correct. That's awesome. Correct. <laughs> Correct. And it just and then I think like, oh, I know it, it gives him the confidence knowing like, hey, one, like we're going to prepare you for this opportunity to, to steal a base safer out like. It doesn't really matter because we're prepared for it. Yeah. We're giving you the green light to go. Be aggressive. Be confident. And to Noelvi's credit, he's as confident of a player as we've had. I thought Matt McClain was the most confident person I've ever met. But Noelvi's right up there, especially really? in his base running. It's like when I told him or they told him he was going to go pinch run, we were talking about it, and you could just see the excitement in his face. Major League debut. Major League debut. Not scared of it. And bit. it's bang, bang. We're yeah. going to review. You know, we reviewed that play. You <laughs> I know, love so. That. Uh, but the confidence in that kid too to to yeah. one like be looking to go, wanting to go, and then actually going uh, is a real credit to him too. So total team effort to your point. Yeah, and recently I don't know what game they all bleed together, but you had a delayed double steal, and uh, I think it was Spencer coming home. Yep. And I asked David Bell after the game, that was that was a pretty good move right there. That was that called from the bench. He's like, yes and no. We prepare them to do it, but we leave it to them with their instincts to play the game. Is that correct? I'm that's that's exactly right. So Ellie's on first. Yeah. He's gonna steal. Right? So but JR knows every time there's a guy on first and a guy on third, if we run and they throw it, right, we're gonna release the guy from third. Yeah. Spencer Steer is probably our best base runner overall. Not the fastest base runner, but the most instinctual. Um so having him on third base is a real weapon because he's just really good at playing baseball. He's just He just knows what he's doing uh, on bases, defense, all that. So we know Ellie's going to run. We didn't think that Bailey was going to throw that ball. We yeah. know Ellie's going to steal the base, but it was... I was shocked that he threw down I'm there shocked. on Ellie. It was shocking. <laughs> it really was. But to that, to your point... But you got to be ready. Exactly. So JR knows Ellie's running, yeah. telling Steer, hey, if that ball comes out of Bailey's hand, you're you're scoring. And sure enough, that's just how it happened. So David's exactly right. Like We've talked about that situation a million times. We don't do it that often, but yeah. in that moment, we just had a really nice opportunity to do it and steer made an incredible baseball play in that too and they the catchers that they, they deke a lot too the fake the, the fake. throw so you gotta make sure that ball's coming out of his hand so that's 
and that guy, Patrick Bailey, is is like my arch nemesis. He's my favorite catcher. He's really good. He is really good, and he is a not force only, back there. Yeah, not only throwing, but framing. He's All of an, it. He, he's elite. He, yeah. he picks everything. Everything. So like, he picks a dirt ball and like back picks you know yeah. tries to back pick so yeah. like i'm on my toes all the time and i'm playing defense against him playing defense i i love i love an elite catcher me too I, mean, I really do it can totally change the game i mean i just love it so much so uh i, I have a lot more i want to talk to you about including you've seen some headbutts at first base <laughs> mm, i want to talk about that we'll do it after this this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. How did this uh, guys go down to first base and you're headbutting them? <laughs> Where did this start? Where's the genesis? Does it, is it pre reds? Did it just happen organically? Where, where does this come from? Yeah. Um, I've answered this question a couple of times. So I have to give credit to Johnny Gomes and Mike Napoli. Johnny Gomes! Right, so Giant and I, that's right, Giant and I teammates <laughs> with Oakland back in the day. Oh um, boy, I bet you those are the days. Those were the days. <laughs> and fly Nap on the wall for some of those conversations. Unbelievable. And <laughs> Napoli and I were teammates in Cleveland. Anyway, so when they played together in Boston, just those two, I can't remember who the first base coach was in Boston. It's, it's slipping me when they were together, but every time they got to first, they would just full send a headbutt at their first. And I thought it was awesome. Like I yeah. wanted to do it to our first base coach. No one ever really did it, but uh, it was in one of those meetings in spring training where I was just like casually saying like, Hey, you come down to first base, you know, like handshake, whatever, headbutt, whatever you want to do. And uh, that day, Steve-O came up to me before the game in spring training. Was Stevenson, like, Tyler Stevenson. Stevenson. And he's like, Hey, I want to get on this headbutt thing. I'm like, Sick man. <laughs> so sure enough, like he gets a knock in spring training, he comes in for the headbutt, and like that, like uh, he was the first, and Frito was like, "Oh, cool man, I want to do that too." So Frito's in on it, and then Steer, like maybe three weeks into this season, uh, he's like, "Hey, Cece, how do I, how do I get into this?" Uh, headbutt thing and like steer everyone's welcome man like <laughs> i was like oh you gotta do that sounds like spencer hey, hey dude hey man that's how right. do i uh that's right how do i get on in on this hey thing? can i get some headbutts in <laughs> right and so sure enough and then, i love spencer steer oh he's the best i love it so yeah then uh then a couple other guys you know climb on board so it's not everyone but it's yeah it's uh it's whoever whoever's there for it has there been ones where you're like you were so excited that you're like i better ease up here i don't cause any damage has anyone given you a really hard one tj so frito, frito kills me especially when he's excited he kills well, me. he runs into walls all the time 100 so. <laughs> so you know how he is super yeah. high energy but i i love it uh steve-o the other night in arizona when he got the go-ahead hit yeah the line drive absolutely crushed me <laughs> crushed me and he's, he sent me like a gif or jif or however you say really? it after the game too of us just smashing heads so i love that yeah there was, uh, and you are, you're part uh, lead by example, certainly the way you coach and the information you provide and the way that you 
prepare players, but you're also kind of a raw, raw, not kind of, you are a raw, raw guy, uh, which is good. And you have to be careful. And you know, in the big leagues, you can't do it like 24 seven all the time. It'll fall on deaf ears after a while. Um, But there was a shot recently. It was when Sinzel came back and, and hit that home run. And you were, we had a shot of you in the dugout. You were hugging him and the look on your face was like, ah, it was just like the proudest dad. Like, ah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Is that, uh, is this just the way you are? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and, uh, and, you know, Sinzel and I have that kind of relationship too. And, uh, you know, when he got sent down, uh, he was really emotional. So we had oh, a moment, yeah. you know, we had a moment there where, uh, you know, it just let him have his emotions and, yeah. and let him out. So, for him to come back, uh, hit a pinch hit home run, you yeah. know, in a big moment. Uh, and I, I was just so happy for him, you know. Like, I was too, yeah. I was just, you know, I love him. You know, we have a great relationship. So we also have a handshake where, like, it's a big hand, like, big high five. And then we just, like, squeeze each other really hard. So, like, it was kind of one of those, too. It's like I just wanted to let him know how proud of him I was yeah. and, or happy for him I was. So. Yeah. Uh, it was just one of those moments where I was just, I was really emotional too. And I just wanted to let him know how happy I was for him. I loved it. I that loved moment. that shot. It's one of my favorite shots of the season. Now you, you walk up and down the dugout and you look like you're a football player <laughs> that's in a baseball uniform. <laughs> you're laughing because you get in this mode, man, where like one, I wouldn't mess with you in those moments. <laughs> Two, you're totally locked in. But three, it feeds players' feet off of it. I just did. You have football in your background at all? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Here. Yeah. <laughs> I played some football. My old man was a basketball player, so yeah. I, you know, it's crazy. Like I grew up loving football and and basketball because of the contact and uh, baseball. Well, you can totally tell. Baseball, we just don't have a lot of that. So <laughs> you gotta you gotta pick, you gotta find your ways. Maybe yeah. that's why I love running bases because I could bang into stuff a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. I love it, man. Um, so do you have managing in your future? Is that what are your goals going forward? And if you do, and you've managed what a double A in the Seattle organization, did you have to curtail that, cut that back, the rah-rah? Or because I mean that's like sort of like a college thing. Up here it's a little different. Did you were you different when you were managing? Yeah, yes, it was. Yes and no. And then uh and to your point, right? Like you have to kind of pick your moments. And uh and I always I always tried uh to celebrate the really important moments, whether that was a positive, negative, whatever it was. You know, I, I like to to use my experience of the way I saw people um maybe give some love here or constructive criticism there. Uh, and I've, I was fortunate, and some people may call it the curse, right? I played for so many teams when I was playing that I met so many people, um, different teammates. That helps you be a good coach, though. Absolutely. So I think, like, I, I had a, a really unique perspective. And when I was in the big leagues, I sat the bench a lot, you know, so I was a platoon player. So I got to see firsthand, you know, how – Mike Shosha handled his business and Bob Melvin handled his business and Kirk Gibson handled his business, all three very different, Yeah, you know, and Terry Francona. And so I just, I feel like I, I got to learn a lot and I didn't know it at the time, but I would just observe kind of how they would do it and be like, oh man, that was a really cool way that Fred Kona encouraged Kipnis in this moment. Or yeah. I love the way Sosh handled Weaver uh, in the seventh inning of a game where he didn't want to come out or whatever it was. So I always tried to... Um, to do whatever I thought 
was the best that the, all those guys did, if that makes sense, yeah. right? Like, oh, yeah. All the positives that they had and the things that I may not have liked, I tried not to do those and tried to kind of mimic what they did that was like, oh, man, that's, that's a really nice way, a really good way of doing something. Well, you seem, and again, I'm down in the camera well or close to the dugout, so I have nothing to do but sit there and watch and observe and learn. And I'm still learning the game. I'm like 20-some years into this big league thing, but um, you never stop learning in the game. You seem to be two or three steps ahead all the time. And just the, the stuff that I pick up from you, and I'm like, this dude has manager written all over him. And I'm not trying to blow smoke here. I don't say that to everyone. Do you... Is that a goal in the future? Um, I wouldn't say it's like a goal on paper. It's something that, and I, like managing in the minor leagues was never a goal for mine until it was kind of what was next for me, if that makes sense, right? It was play and then retire, whatever opportunity came after playing and managing was that. And your, to answer your question, like, yes, I loved managing. I absolutely loved managing in AA. It was the most I ever felt like myself on a baseball field. I just felt like I didn't I didn't feel the pressure to perform. All I felt was I just needed to be here for my players, right? right? I didn't and selfishly I had no idea what was going on in Tacoma. I had no idea what was going on in Modesto or Everett, the other affiliates, right? All I cared about was my team and Little Rock, and that was it. We were on our own island. Um and I love that. Right. And that's how I feel about our team here. Right. And selfishly, like I don't know a lot about what's going on in the rest of the organization, but I know exactly what's going on with our guys. Yeah, um, and that's how I and I I don't know if that's right or wrong, uh, but that's how I try to be. So, if the opportunity ever presented itself, absolutely, I think I would love to manage. Um, it's different at the in the big league level, right? Like DB doesn't have as much time to be with the players as I think he would like to. Right. Um, if I was managing, that would be hard for me. You know, I want to be in the bullpens. Uh, I want to watch our guys work, uh, whether it's on the receiving in the pen or what Hunter Green's working on, how we can get him to down and away more often, right? The I want to know, I want to see DJ in action. I want to see him coach, and I want to understand that. I want to know what Ashcraft's working on, you know, so I can give him something positive when he lands a, oh, oh, a slider, if that's what they're doing. Um, so if the opportunity presented itself, I would love to. Um, I, hopefully that's when DB's ready to retire and, and wants to hand the reins over in 20 years. Uh, I told him that uh, this off season, you know, he asked me similar questions and I said, you know, David, I'm going to be uh, perfectly honest with you. And I don't want you to, to think that I'm not, uh, I don't want more, but right now, like I want you to manage and I want to be here for a long time. You know, I live here in the city. I want to do great things for this organization and I want you to be there until you don't want it anymore. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, you know, if that's if that's my time or if it's JR or if it's Freddie or whomever it might be, um, we'll cross that bridge. But I want I want David to have it as long as he wants it. Um, but if I had that opportunity, it would be hard to pass up. Someone's going to come calling just saying I've seen uh, too much baseball not to know uh, when a dude's got manager right now. I mean, someone's coming calling at some point, but I want you to stay here for 20 years as well. So thanks, Jim, <laughs> for the record. Um you mentioned Spencer Steer is the best overall base runner. What makes him the best overall base runner? Yeah, it's uh, he, he's just a really instinctual player. Uh, you know, we <clears throat> some of that's kind of going on in our game as far as stealing bases, right? Is the the vault steal, right? The shuffle, and the Yankees are are kind of uh, at the forefront of that, right? You get a little shuffle, 
uh, and steal from first base, kind of like you're stealing third base, right? You get some momentum and go. And, you know, Steer's not the fastest guy that we have. He's also not the quickest starter that we have. So maybe like a month into the season, uh, I was talking to him about it because he's not slow. You know, he's in this, like, he's in this bucket to where he's on the border of being an above average runner and an average runner, right? So he's like, when people say, like, they want their steak medium rare plus, like, that's the type of base yeah. runner that Steer is, right? He's he's just in between being really fast and an average runner, right? Yeah. He's in this in this uh in this cool window and uh and because he's so instinctual so we talk about this lead and the steel start and all of a sudden he just does it right and we silly we gave him one of those like uh wrist guards right because he tried to steal third and oakland got thrown out jammed his thumb or whatever so we put a guard on it and we talked about the vault steal and all of a sudden the next day he shuffles steals and beats it uh safe by mile and i'm like Steer, I didn't expect you to to put it into play that fast. He was, man, I don't know. I just felt it. And then he steals third, you know? So now we're, I'm like, hold, you can steal bases. Yeah. You know, like you're a base dealer. And he's like, yeah, maybe. He's like, and he's, you know, he's, he's, maybe, yeah, he's giving credit. He's like, oh, well, I got this new thing on my arm, you know? Like, it gives me confidence. I'm like, all right, Spence, like, whatever you're getting your confidence from is fine. Is but, so Spencer, yeah. But so... Anyways, it's just things like that. He was just able to grasp it that fast, you know, and then we we would uh, maybe two, three weeks later, we're, we're at first and we're talking about, and he's in all our meetings, all the base dealers meetings, and uh, all of a sudden he just shuffles and goes, steals the base. I'm like, Spence, where do you go? You know, yeah. like I wasn't, and it's like, he's like, I don't know, man, I was just feeling it. It's like, I just had it. And I'm like, sick. <laughs> So like that's now, great. now that's where we're at. You that's know, hard it's to, like, that's hard to teach. I mean, you got to put them in the right position and give them the knowledge to be ready. But you also got to have the instincts. You got to just have it. That's right. And it's like he he's picking his time where he gets his shuffle, and if he gets it right, he goes. Yeah. And uh, and that's just you know, it's like it's crazy because he's got I think twelve or thirteen bases, and he's just not the fastest guy. And, yeah. Uh, but he's you know he's Freddie Freeman's of the world where those guys are just really smart base runners. They're gonna find their way to take an extra yeah. base. You know? He's pretty good. I don't know the numbers. He's pretty good, like, first to home, though. He can Once he gets going, he's... He, he's great. Yeah, he's that's what I mean. He's not yeah. slow, and he's yeah. not, like... He's not a burner, right. but he can run. Yeah. You know, he can he can run. Now, you mentioned him jamming his thumb. Uh, uh, leads me to another question. I want to ask you about other base runners, but um, sliding headfirst into home. So, I mean, back, back in when you were playing... No chance. Catcher's blocking it. Don't even think about it. You're just going to hurt yourself. Now it's a little different. So where are you? Because even head first sliding into first, there's been studies saying, oh, that slows you down. You shouldn't do that. Where are you on the sliding head for? Because I, I, I go back, you know, been around a long time. Eric Davis, who was a great base dealer, used to go in feet first all the time, and he would slide late, real late, pop up on the bag. Um, and he would get to the bag sooner so where are you on head first slides yeah good question um i'm 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 all the way in on head first slides okay. um especially so home's one thing stealing second i think it's a must um and my my reason for it is it just takes them a lot longer if the throw is high from the catcher you got to go all the way down to tag the guy in the dirt right when they're to get their hand <laughs> There's see, less to tag with an arm going in there, and, for sure. And you think, like, you've seen millions of guys get tagged out on their head or on their back when they go feet first. You know, it's like, 
they don't just don't like a, a high throw. The middle infielder just catches it and slaps something, yeah. right? Like, and with re with replay now, right? Like, he could be safe, but you go review it. He's two inches from the bag. He slaps him in the helmet, and he's out. You know, and all we have to do is go ahead first, and it's a, it's almost a no play, right? Yeah. So, to me, it's you just have a much uh, higher chance of success of being safe if you go ahead first and. So there was uh, we were playing the Diamondbacks here um, a couple weeks ago, and I told you Dave McKay is just an incredible base running person, stealing bases. The Diamondbacks had an, have an incredible uh, success rate; they're in like ninety something percent uh, of being safe and with over hundred bags, right? So they they run and they're safe a lot. Uh, but we threw out uh, Cattell Marte, and Marte went head first, and they ended up reviewing it, but. Dave walked over to kind of where I stand at the end of the dugout, and he was like, hey, man, you just got to go head first. You know, you just got to go head first. And I'm like, Dave, I've been saying that, you know, all spring. Yeah. So uh, I just think it's – you just have a higher success rate going head first in the second. And I also think at home, too, because you're right. Like, you can't block the plate, so there's way more windows for you to stick your hand in. And when those yeah. guys are wearing the – like the protective oven mitts, the oven mitts right? <laughs> yeah. Like so, when they're wearing that, you can you might be able to push through a catcher's cleat, right? Like Spencer did in in San Fran. Like yeah. that was bang bang. If he's got no oven mitt on, goes head first, he's gonna slice his hand up. But because he has that in, like he's able to kind of push his foot out of the way and get some plate. If he goes feet first there, Bailey lands on him, right? Like there's just a higher risk of injury, I think, yeah. with a catcher landing on you there too. So. I think it's a double-edged sword. I think you can find a window, right? Like, not to talk too much, but Ellie's no, at, Ellie's this is at, what a podcast is for. <laughs> Ellie's at third in St. Louis, and uh, and I'm watching him. So he had his oven mitt on his right hand. Switched right? it. Switched it. I'm looking at JR. I'm like, what is he doing? Like, why does he do that? Yeah. And uh, and he says, well, he switches it. So what, whatever hand it was, he can avoid a tag with one and stick right. it in there with the other. Yeah, we've done that story before. It was in uh, when he stole home. It was after the game in Milwaukee. There you and go. JR said, I've never had a player come to me at third base, and I I asked Ellie, what are you doing? I'm switching my sliding mitt in case I steal home. Oh, my. This is next-level thinking. Right. Right. <laughs> but you're like, and with him, you're like, oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, do whatever you want, man. Like, it makes perfect sense. Uh, yeah, but I mean, that is next one. A lot of guys don't steal home. Uh, he's got to be a special dude to do that, unless it's a delayed steal, whatever. But just a straight steal of home, it, that takes a special kind of person. But then to think that. I know. I, it's ins I saw, I watched him do it, and I was like, what is this guy doing? Yeah. And then I, we, I, we, sure enough, that's with yeah. I'm like, he's just so he knows he's going to slide it home. Yeah. No one wants to score more than Ellie. It's insane. It's insane. He gets the first base and says, hey, watch. I mean, watch. I score every time. <laughs> really? On a single. Like, I score on a single here. <laughs> hey, man, go ahead. Like, show me. <laughs> well, sometimes he's run. A few times he's run. And you're going to have to put up with with aggressiveness. But, some, you know, there were a few that he got thrown at. He was trying to go to second base, I think, a, a fly ball to right field. I'm like, that eh, might be a little much. You're fast. That might be a little much. Might have to dial that back just a little bit. But is, is it hard to rein him in? It is. And, like, you want him you want him to always use his legs as a weapon. So, like, in those moments where he might uh, overreach a bit, yeah, it's it, those are important moments, especially for, for my job, right? Like, just pull him aside the next day and just say, hey, man, like, you did everything right here. 
Um, but this might not have been the right time, or it might have been, uh, to your point on that fly ball, might have been deep enough, or he might not have got to the bag early enough. Yeah. Well, it took a perfect throw. And it takes a perfect throw. Yeah. And it's always going to take a perfect throw to get Ellie. Yeah. You know, it's like when he delays against a right-handed hitter. You know, it's like, Ellie, you're not... You're not given there, there's no element of surprise there because he can see you the whole time, you know, yeah. and there's a lefty up. That's the time. So, you know, most of the time, if he's gotten thrown out stealing, it's been on that or he's sliding past the bag because he's so fast yeah. or so aggressive. But they get adjusted to the major league dirt at first. It's like you can slide right on through on these infields. It's wild. It's wild. He's got so much did momentum. It first, first day, yeah. the, you know, he's got first day got so in the game. So much momentum, and the, this dirt is a little better to slide. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so you're right. You have to live with it. You know, like you're never yeah. going to tell him, "Hey, you can't run there." You yeah. know, we just might have to say, "Hey, you may not want to run there in that moment." Are you allowed to wear sliding mitts on two hands? Yeah, because you put it on to go. It's designed to slide into second base. But if you've got to dive back into first base, then your exposed hand is That's right. There. So I've always wondered, okay, just put two of them on. Ozzy always wears two. Yeah, he does. So it looks funky. Funky. What did I just say? Funky. <laughs> F-U-N-K-Y. It looks funky. Um, but you get a couple of inches advantage. No doubt. One. And you got the protection, no doubt. But the couple of inches of advantage, I mean, it's, it's huge, <laughs> huge. And not to mention, right? You got the six inches for the bases yeah. now too. So any advantage we can get, yeah, but yeah. When they uh, they first started wearing those, Billy Hamilton had one on, and Joe West made him take it off. Of course, of course he did. That <laughs> uh, babe Joe, you no, know he did. <laughs> he made him take it off. It's like, it like and we're like, it's not against the rules. He's like, he's getting an advantage. It's too big. I'm like. We're making up rules as we go. Like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Like, show me. Yeah. What page is that on? He, he made him take it off. Un- unbelievable. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. In a certain me. game. So. That doesn't surprise me. All right. Are you okay on time? Because yeah. I want to ask yeah. you about how you got here. Yeah. The UK legend. <laughs> Talk about that after this. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. All right, we're back with the pride of Lexington. <laughs> born in Lexington, right? Yes, sir. Born and raised. What high school? I, I, should, I should know this. Henry Clay. Henry Clay High School. So what was it like growing up in Lexington? Were you a Reds fan? Uh, I was. A, I got an uh. So <laughs> to answer your question, I was a Griffey fan. Oh, all right. So okay. I had. So it was. Uh, it was Mariners because of Griffey, oh, and then when okay. he came to Cincinnati, it was wow. re- it was so really you, easy. And then you end up coaching in the Mariners system. That's I know it's wild, and I got to meet Griffey and all that, so that was yeah. great. Uh, but in all honesty, like I grew up more uh, in every sport: basketball, football, baseball. Uh, fans of players more so than teams. So if yeah. Griffey would have gone to the Pirates, I would have been a Pirates fan. You know, Peyton Manning was Colt, and uh, so I was a Colts fan. You know, that's just kind of how it went. You know, I, I love Dwayne Wade, so I was a Heat fan. You know, so that's just kind of how it went. So you're a player, total players guy. Players guy. I like that. Yeah, I didn't have, so Kentucky basketball is like the only thing that I actually followed, yeah. you know, just because it was so big when I was growing up. And that's, you know, kind of the only like major sport we had was yeah. Kentucky basketball. But 
Other than that, yeah, it was just kind of follow players. What was it like being a star at UK? I know basketball is, is king there, but uh, what was it like being the star baseball player there? Yeah, it was great. You know, it's uh, you don't get nearly as much publicity, which is uh, which is really nice too. You know, I didn't, I was never really about that. But uh, you know, what was cool about playing at Kentucky, obviously being from Lexington, but uh, in 2006 we we won the SEC, which is the first time the program first time ever, yeah, had ever done that. Uh, so it was. You know, when we were there, um, we had a, like a, a few Lexington guys, which was really cool. John Shelby and Michael Bertram and Adam Revelette and guys who I was friends with growing up. So we all right. played baseball together. And, you know, what was cool is we kind of we were one of the groups that kind of changed the, the way Kentucky baseball was viewed. Uh, you know, being a winning program and Cohen, John Cohen coming in really uh, got some momentum going. We had some, you know, facility renovations and all that stuff. But being a part of a, you know, a championship caliber, t- caliber team at Kentucky, uh, you know, kind of hits a little different when you're from there and you got some guys who are from there and, and um, you know, you're wearing your home state across your chest and all that stuff. So it was uh, it was fun to have some success there for sure and, and kind of put that program uh, elevated a little bit more to where it needs to be in the SEC. So you wrapped up. Well, you played to 2016. So Arizona, Oakland, Mets, Angels. Had the longest stint with the Angels, and then finished up in Cleveland in 2006. That was not very long ago. That's right. And then a couple of <laughs> bonus was, bonus years in AAA yeah, after that. Trying to hang on. That's right to the dream. So how did the coaching thing come about after the playing career? Yeah. So uh, I was in camp with Seattle. Um, as a player in 2020, and I'll go back. So uh, Jerry Depoto and I go way, way back, even to our Arizona days when I got drafted. He was in the front office, and then he was the GM uh, in Anaheim when I came over there. So mm-hmm. I was DFA'd by the Mets. Anaheim picked me up when Jerry was there, and that's kind of why I stayed there as long as I did. Anyway, so uh, I'm looking for a job in 2020 to still play, and uh, so I talked to Jerry. He's like, hey, man, would love to sign you. Uh, you know, we'll bring you to big league camp. We'll give you every opportunity to make the big league team. If not, we'll see what we got in AAA. He's like, hey, if all that doesn't work out, you know, we'd love to talk to you about life after baseball uh, whenever you want to have that conversation. I said, Jerry, that's great. I would love to do that. I was like, let's, you know, let's, I want to give everything I got, all my attention, all my energy to plan. Uh, if none of that works out, like you said, I'd be, I would love, uh, you know, to talk to you about that. I've been thinking about, you know, I'm 36 at the time, you know, so I'm thinking about what's that, or 35 at the time. So I know it's coming soon. You know, if I don't get back to the big leagues this year, it's probably my last year, and this is in 2020. So then COVID happens, right? So we leave spring training. Uh, I wasn't going to make the big league team, but there was a pretty good shot. I was going to go play every day in AAA. So my mind was fully on plan. And then COVID, um, we take the long break. My family and I, we all go home. Uh, Jerry calls me in May when we're about to ramp things up for alt site. It's like, hey, uh, you know, I'm going to invite you to the alt site, but uh, I'm going to be really honest. I, we're, we're probably not going to call you up to the big leagues during this season. It's like we have they're in rebuilding. We have all these youngsters. We really want to see them play. Uh, so any opportunity is going to go to these young guys and even at the alt site. Uh, and I'm like, hey, I really appreciate your honesty. Um, I had two young kids at the time, my wife. I wasn't going to go all the way out to Tacoma without them uh, with very little chance of playing in the big leagues and doing it for two months uh, at an alt site, you know, with and battling COVID, you know, so really easy decision at that point. So uh, and and Jerry was like, if that's not what you want to do, 
you want to have that conversation about coaching or, or life after baseball. Absolutely. So that's when that conversation started to happen. And, uh, and he was fantastic. We spoke for hours. Um, and he kind of laid out, you know, essentially five options. Um, and it was my choice. And it was like, Hey, if you want to do something else, you know, we'll, we'll do that. We just want you, we want you here with Seattle and, and we want to give you an opportunity to, to pursue whatever you want to do. We just want you to do it here. And so that's amazing. Thank you. And he gave me a base running coordinator and scouting and front office and hitting coaches. And, but he was like, Hey, but what we think you'd be really good at is we would like you to be our double A manager. And I was like, Oh, see other people see got manager written all over. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and at, at the time I was actually, uh, I was about to go to UAB. My friend, uh, Adam Revlet was a pitching coach there. They had just lost their head coach. So I was going to go down the next day after this conversation to interview, to be an assistant coach at UAB just for fun, just to go down there and coach with my friend. And I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't going to play. Um, but after I talked to Jerry, uh, it was, my mind was made up as soon as he said it, I was like, I, I don't, no one's going to give me a better opportunity fresh out of baseball than this right here. No one's going to give me an opportunity to manage, especially not a double a and especially with the caliber of players that double a manager straight out of the game. That is large. It was insane. The, the, the George Kirby's of the world, the Brandon Williamson's, the Levi Stouts, all our best prospects were headed to that yeah. to little rock. And uh, so it was just honestly, it was a no brainer uh, to take that opportunity. So um, that's literally exactly how uh, the coaching stuff happened when I, after I got done playing. Wow. Now, how did the Reds pluck you from the Seattle organization? I had a lot of, I had a lot of help. Um, so I, uh, CJ Gilman, I don't know if you knew CJ Gilman. He was a hitting coordinator here for a couple years uh, in C in Cincinnati. Yeah. Got the job in Seattle in 22. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, and he knew I was from Cincy and I, I was always asked him about the coaching staff and the dynamic. And so I played for Mike Bell, uh, David's brother, but yeah. never met David. I knew Alan Zenter. He was my hitting coach. So there was this, a lot of these connections anyways, but I just didn't know like how to go about it. And then when everyone got let go, uh, CJ Gilman sent me a text with like the, the tweet and was like, Hey man, like now's the time to shoot your shot. You know, I'm like, how you know like you know i'm not like i don't have a baseball card of uh, success as a coach you know yeah. like how does this happen so very good friend of mine uh is Andy green who's the bench coach here right. in chicago right and um he's kind of mentored me as a player and then kind of through this coaching process also he, lexington he, he, dude lexington dude kentucky guy right yeah. so kind of the same path went played in the big leagues coached managed in the big leagues and right has done that so he knows uh, you know, that, that road. So I call him said, Hey man, like, how do I go about getting this first base job? I just thought that was the best fit for me being a out, you know, an outfield guy, defense base running. It was kind of like a, a natural fit anyway. So he picked up the phone and called Jr. uh, just to kind of like, uh, Jr. You know, house house. Yeah. To put my name in a, you know, on some sort of list that was possible, like a candidate list. Um, and that's kind of how that went. So Jr. and him talked for a while, end up getting on the like a short list of you know people to interview. And then, meanwhile, I'm talking to Seattle, who I think they they might give me an opportunity to coach in the big leagues, um, but they didn't. No 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 turnover after they make the playoffs in 20. Right. Um, so my opportunity there was to go into to manage in AAA. So I was gonna you know go manage Tacoma after I'd got my two years in in AA. 
And that was great, uh, but I told my boss at the time was Andy McKay, who's the farm director. I said, Andy, I'm going to be extremely upfront, right? The the Reds coaching staff has lost a lot of coaches. I'm trying to get on there, uh, and I'll I'll agree to manage in AAA if that keeps my contract and all that. But I, full disclosure, I'm going to go for this job. And uh, he was like, Hey, you you should pick up the phone and call Jerry uh, and see if Jerry would make a phone call on your behalf. And I'm like. Okay, and I told you Jerry and I had a really great yeah. relationship. Uh, so sure enough, I pick up the phone. I call Jerry. I said, Jerry, I, I don't want you to at any level think that I don't want to be here. Right? I love Seattle's organization. You guys have been nothing but amazing to me. Like I've learned more about baseball in the two years that I was with them than I had at any other stage of my career. And I was like, but Cincinnati's home. This is an opportunity to the, to to maybe coach in the big leagues, and uh, and that opportunity with Seattle is not present. Uh, right. So without missing a beat, he said, "I'm going to call Nick Crawl right." Those guys we, have a good relationship. I mean, they've already, they've made a million couple, trades, a couple right? big trades. Yeah. So sure enough, as soon as we hang up, he picks up the phone and calls Nick. And two days later, I had an interview. Um, then I did it with David on the computer, and Pick was a Jeff Pickler was on it, and. Um, but it was just a, that's how the opportunity presented itself. Yeah. All and, you had to do was get an interview. You were in, man. And <laughs> with, in. with, you know, with David and, and, and the relationship I had with Mike, like yeah. it was, you know, we had a, like a, a pre-interview phone call and I said, Hey, I was like, David, let's, uh, can we just talk about Mike like right now before we get on this interview with a hundred people and yeah. I'm going to cry, you know, cause yeah. the late great Mike, the Bell. late great Mike Bell. Yeah. I'm going to cry if we talk about him. You know, yeah. and I don't want everyone to think I'm like soft. That. No, you know, so. you're not soft, man. But anyway, that connection was was uh, helpful as well. Wow, that's awesome. I mean, they struck gold with you, man. Yeah, they Jim, thanks. Absolute gold thanks, with you. Uh, I should be your agent, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you're hired. <laughs> Real quick, before I let you go, I know you got to go, but I, I want to just ask you about other other guys real quick. Uh, McLean, is that confident? As confident of a player as I've ever been. First time I got to first base. He's as quiet as a person as the <laughs> first time we got to spring training or first base in spring training. I was like, oh man. I was like, hey, we need to keep this guy. Like, we need this guy to make the team. Yeah. Really? That's that confident. Like, how, in what way? Vo- vocally, what he says? Yeah. The way he... all, all of it. Just like when he gets out, when he gets hits, what he, how he feels about the pitcher, their size, anything. It just doesn't matter. Like, he's just, he, He's just as confident as I get. It was real, really easy to see. Wow, I, I love that. And he doesn't have the greatest uh, stolen base numbers. Uh, what does he have to? What do you think he has to improve on? Yeah. So his uh, his form, like really his first step, first step. So yeah, yeah. he uh, we, we've uh, it's been like a work in progress with him too because he he knows what to do. It's just he's done the same thing so long, you yeah. know. And he's one of those guys. He's a first rounder. He got a huge signing bonus. You know, lots of guys kind of want to be hands off and just let him play. Um, but kind of got exposed a little bit just because his first step's not that quick, you know, on the base pass where he's as fast as a Ronald Acuna is probably from A to B. He just doesn't get going as fast. Yeah. So that part of it has been something that we have to constantly work on. And I'll tell you, uh, Rob Fumagalli, our, our strength coach, has been vital Really? Uh, and and teaching that too, he's really good at sprint mechanics and start mechanics. So, I'll watch video. We'll sit with Rob, and then Rob will take those guys out when they're doing their, you know, just like their conditioning stuff, and they'll make them steal starts. So, so with Hopkins, we've done it with Ellie, we've done it with Maddie, TJ, you name it, right? Just to 
the guys that are good, we just want to keep them tight. And yeah. guys who need something to work on, we just try to give them a few nuggets, uh, you know, in that practice setting to where they go in the game. They don't really have to think about it. Yeah. Friedel. The best. <laughs> Friedel's the best. <laughs> I mean, there's, I could go on about that guy, the, the, the way he goes about his business, you know, it's yeah. just, I, my dad said something to me the other day when we were talking about him, and he was like, oh, you guys remind me uh, a lot of how you guys play the game. I'm like, TJ Friedel's a much, much, much better baseball player than I was on both sides. The way he hits, the way he bonds, his defense, uh, his aggressiveness on the bases, he gets to top speed as fast as anybody uh, that I've seen stealing a base. Yeah. When he takes this, it's like Stu. When he takes a, his first step, his next step, he's at full speed. And that's why they're so good at stealing bases. He's, he's, he's so quick. He's so bouncy. He's so explosive. And he's really confident with an aggressive mindset. And that always helps. He's got that swim move down, too. That's another benefit of going ahead first, That's right? right. That's right. You can't move your leg out of the way, right? <laughs> exactly. You can't. Right. Well, you could, but that uh, well, you probably can, actually. <laughs> but the, that swim move, man, I, if you can pull it off, I'm not sure there's anything more beautiful. I agree. It's pretty cool. Than, than doing that. It's pretty cool. Who else is in the base running meetings? I mean, you don't have the meeting with the whole team because there are guys, some guys that just aren't going to steal. Right. And Right. right. And, uh for the most part, so if we have, you know, there'll be seven guys, you yeah. know, and I think, I don't which, know. Which for today's baseball? It's pretty cool. <laughs> That's pretty good. Usually, yeah, one or two base steals. For a while, we didn't have any. I mean, <laughs> I, I think at the, like, as it sits now in our roster, we might have, I, mean, I think, seven guys with over 10. Yeah. And then, you know, we have three guys with over 20. Yeah. Um. So, at, that's what's so amazing about our team and like our caliber of athlete. It's, you know, Stu Fairchild doesn't play every day, but he's got over 10 bags. You know, last night he pinch runs and gets a huge bag. Yeah. You know, Willie Benson's got 15, and Maddie, who we're really working on stealing bases, has 14, and Johnny's got 12. Yeah. You know, so um, they're all, and they're all in them. They're all in them. If you're going to steal a base, it's kind of like a prerequisite, right? Like, yeah. You need to know this information if you're thinking about stealing. If you're not thinking about stealing, you don't like, and it's all optional, right? You don't have to be there. Right. And if you miss it, I'll come find you and you know, I'll show you what we talked about. I do see that. I love the impromptu. He'll be carrying around the iPad and he'll just <laughs> he'll catch a guy. I think I caught you with Benson the other day. It was in between things. Here, take take a look at this. This is what he does at first base, second base, this count, that count. I'm like, yes. <laughs> well, and, and and like these guys, they're so routine oriented, right? Yeah. So like if it's a day game, I'm not gonna I'm not going to take them out of the cage, yeah. you know, where that's where they're putting their most focus and energy, right, is their swing. And uh, I'm not going to ever interrupt that. So I'm going to find them for two minutes, give them what I got, not interrupt their whole day. So there will be days where it's just one-on-one, me, me scrambling around, trying to show them. But I just feel like I'm not doing my job if I'm not preparing them to do what they want to yeah. do. They want to steal bases. I want to give them everything that they have, everything I have. For them to be successful. Well, you can tell they want it because there, I did an interview with Frito after one game, and you guys hadn't stolen a base in that series. And then and he's like, we talked about it before the game. We were going to steal a bag tonight <laughs> no matter what. We didn't have one in the series. We're not going to go for a whole series without stealing a base. He was like almost offended that they hadn't stolen a base yet, which you're smiling, which is just great. I mean, that's they want it. You got to want it. That's it, man. It is. Yeah. It would my job wouldn't be so easy if we didn't have guys yeah. like that. Well, hey, listen, I appreciate your time. I've kept you longer than I anticipated. You've got to go uh, 
the stuff we just talked about. You've got to go disseminate some information. <laughs> so I appreciate it. Thank you very much. This has been a very insightful conversation. Yeah, you're too nice, Jim. <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. It's a blast. All right, man. That is Colin Cowgill. And uh, go Reds. Go Reds. After, after hearing that, just pumps me up. <laughs> love it. Love that base running's back. I love that going first to third and first to home. I just love that it's all back. It's baseball that I like. That's right. And I hope you do, too. <laughs> catch you on down the road, Colin. Thanks, And Jim. we'll catch you next time on the Gym Day Podcast. See you.